When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. All week... All week, we've been talking about Russia's invasion of Ukraine, except for last night, when we took a brief break to talk about the president talking about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. <laughs> last night, we were live, so tonight, I'm dead inside, but... I'm glad we put the effort in to make the live show because it was a pretty good night for the president, unlike for some of his critics. You see, the D.C. area was put on high alert after a group of truckers threatened to swarm into the Capitol to protest Biden's speech and vaccine mandates the way they had in Canada. Organizers estimated there would be upwards of 3,000 attendees, but by the time Biden's speech began, only 12 rally-goers <laughs> had actually assembled. Twelve. Well, and most of them just wanted to see truckers so they could do this. <laughs> Take a look at how empty this rally was. <laughs> you could have driven a truck through the place if any had shown up. <laughs> Part of the problem might have been the rally's organizer, former MMA fighter and authoritarian wiggle, Kyle <laughs> Sefchik. Take a look at this video Sefchik released of his own stirring words. All right, you guys, thanks for being here today. All right. So, a few reasons we're here today. Uh, first being that many of you are lost on your way to the Air and Space Museum. <laughs> uh, some of you were court-ordered to pick up trash in this parking lot. And the rest are our moms who are driving us home. <laughs> Why is he using a microphone? There are 12 people there. <laughs> he could just do it with ASMR. Hey, everybody, hi. <laughs> crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. Despite crippling financial sanctions and Russian dressing being pulled from the shelves of your local Kroger, <laughs> the invasion of Ukraine continues. Russian forces have captured their first city and intensified their criminal attacks on the defenseless civilian population. But fierce Ukrainian resistance continues to deny the Kremlin the easy victory it had anticipated. In fact... <laughs> In fact, a Russian military convoy stretching 40 miles long on a roadway north of Kyiv appears to have bogged down, so you know those troops must be bored as hell. I spy with my little eye <laughs> something that starts with T. Is tank? <laughs> Duh. Is tank. Is always tank. Overall, the Russian troops are facing food and fuel shortages and are gripped by low morale, leading some to surrender en masse. Evidently, the Russian Marine slogan is Semper Bye! <laughs> and um, bye! 
on their way out, they're not picking up after themselves. Take a look at this video of Ukrainian troops finding abandoned Russian armored vehicles. Sounds like a great opportunity for Ukraine's number one automotive charity, 1877-TANKS-FOR-TOTS. <laughs> Donate your tank today. <laughs> There's good news for everyday Ukrainians looking to pick up a certified pre-owned vehicle. The Ukraine government says citizens don't need to declare captured Russian tanks and military equipment for tax purposes. Well, that is great news, because we've all been there. You come across an abandoned Russian T-72 B-3 tank, and your first thought is, how is this going to impact my taxable income? That, that, my friends. That's when you call the rogue military tax accountants at the CPA team. <laughs> I pity the fool who doesn't itemize his deductions. <laughs> Not every... Gotta work on my Mr. T. I got... It's been a long time. It's been about yeah. 40 years. Mm -hmm. Not every Russian soldier has walked away. One video being shared on Ukrainian channel shows a captioned Russian soldier being given food and tea and being allowed to FaceTime his mom. Snacks? and a parental phone call. The Ukrainians are under attack, and they're treating their invaders like homesick campers. Yes, we know you're far from home, and it, and it is very scary. Why don't you give me your gun, okay? You, you, you take this yarn and go make an invasion bracelet over there. <laughs> Dimitri's already started on one. Go, go hang out with Dimitri over there. You guys are both Russian. Ordinary Ukrainians are also defiant, like this grandma who spoke to CNN. Let those Russian come here, she says. We are ready to greet them. How did you learn how to make Molotov cocktails? Google helped, she tells me. You Googled it. Of course, she says. Ugh. Googling Molotov cocktail recipes is always such a pain, because first you have to scroll through a whole blog post. As a busy mom, it can be tough to find an explosives recipe that works for the whole family. By the time I get Kaylee and Braxton home from soccer practice, I just want a 30-minute way to vanquish the armies of darkness. Thank goodness for my Kosori air fryer. <laughs> then there's this woman from the city of Konotop. Am I saying that right? Konotop? Who cursed the Russians, literally. Do you know where you are? It's Konotop. Here, every second woman is a witch. Tomorrow, you'll no longer be able to get your penis to stand. <laughs> wow! Oh! 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 Wow! The Wicked Witch of the Eastern Bloc. I think we have some more footage. You, my pretty, and your little dong, too. <laughs> nearly, nearly the entire world has united in this condemnation of Russia. In fact, one of their last remaining allies is Belarusian strongman Alexander Lukashenko, seen here dressed in the pubes of his enemies. <laughs> Got some very old enemies, evidently. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately for Putin, Lukashenko might not be the sharpest turnip in the basket, because 
Yesterday, a reporter tweeted out this photo explaining that Lukashenko was addressing his security council, showing planned troop movements, infrastructure targets, and a plan to divide Ukraine into four parts. This guy is worse than the dumbest Bond villain. As you can see from this map, Mr. Bond, I have detailed plans to take over Ukraine. Promise not to memorize it. I will now leave you to a very slow and unsupervised death, and I will just leave my cell phone right here. Even, even, even worse. Thank you. Thank you. Even worse. Thanks. Thanks. Well, I'm an actor. Even worse, the map suggests that Putin is considering attack on Moldova. That's right. An invasion of Moldova is being Moldova. <laughs> the nothing, Joe? Thank you. Wow. Yeah, I was laying bets downstairs if you were going to do that. I was like, okay. The sanctions continue to rain pain. Visa and MasterCard have blocked Russian banks from their networks. It explains their new slogan, Visa, it's everywhere you want to be because you don't want to be in Russia. <laughs> in his... This is old school. This is 1981 out here. In his speech last night, Biden took the fight directly to Putin's cronies. The United States... Department of Justice is assembling a dedicated task force to go after the crimes of the Russian oligarchs. We're joining with European allies to find and seize their yachts. You hear that, oligarchs? The feds are looking for your luxury ships. They've made a game of it. Yahtzee! <laughs> Turns out... No, I don't want your pity rim shots. Turns out there's a little section of the Constitution that allows Congress to grant letters of mark and reprisal and makes rules concerning captures on land and water, which means the government can empower private individuals to legally seize foreign vessels. And there's no better private individual for this job than Dog the Boaty Hunter. <laughs> Thank you. The long swim. The long, long swim right there. In order to get around Putin's internet censorship at home, people around the world are letting Russians know the true nature of this war by posting Google reviews for restaurants in Moscow and St. Petersburg with the information about the events unfolding in Ukraine, with messages like, your president started a war against Ukraine. Your government is lying to you. Please stop war against your Ukrainian brothers. Give peace a chance. And this is a no-win situation for all. That last one is actually the slogan of the Moscow Taco Bell. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Up next, living the Americone dream. Those were a live show last night, and those are always really tight. You know, yes. we were, we're always driving. It's always a double-stuffed Oreo. We have to get right through it. Yeah, and we didn't get a chance to say uh, Happy Mardi Gras yesterday. Happy yes, Mardi indeed. Gras. Yeah. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy Carnival to you, Nega Santos, over there. Yes. Uh, and uh, so did you... Uh, did, you are you did you celebrate Mardi Gras in any way? Yeah, yeah. I just put on some Mardi Gras tunes in my dressing room and danced. Just marched around by yourself? Yeah. My own one man crew. Yeah, <laughs> one man crew. John, I hold in my hands here. I got uh, the cards for our two guests tonight. Two very exciting guests. One is one of my favorite performers. Andy Serkis is going to be here. He is the new Alfred Pennyworth in the new Batman, which you can't see in Russia. Can't see in Russia. 
And then uh, Russia expert Fiona Hill is here. She's going to explain a lot of what's going on over in the, the war in Ukraine and Putin's motivations. Folks, this is a very special night for me because tonight I am celebrating one of the sweetest things that ever happened in my life. This is my anniversary <laughs> of having my own ice cream flavor. <laughs> Stephen Colbert's Americone Dream. It's hard to believe, but it was 15 years ago this week that Ben and Jerry appeared on my old show to introduce Americone Dream to the world. And I know what you're thinking, but remember, the camera adds 10 pounds. <laughs> and about 40 years. <laughs> I'm so proud of Americone Dream. Not only does it taste good, it does good. Because all of my proceeds generated by the sales of this ice cream are donated to hundreds of great charities chosen each year by my staff here at the show. And I was so happy to recently learn that over the last 15 years, we have given away $4,258,500 Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? That, that is a lot of dough, which is not an ingredient in my ice cream. You're thinking of Jimmy Fallon's The Tonight Dough, which has cookie dough and, I think, ground-up peacock. It's like beaks and stuff. So thank you to everyone out there for supporting Americone Dream. You're living the American dream, helping others by sitting at home and eating ice cream. Now, personally... Personally, I know, I know Americone Dream has helped me get through a lot of in the last 15 years. And while I'd love to keep sitting here and singing its praises, I figured, why not get someone who's better at singing to do that? So I asked a couple of my sweetest friends to help me out. Before you came along, life was such a rocky road. Scoops of smiles. Scoops of tears Your sweet and chunky mixture Made my heart explode A dream I've had For 15 years From when W was in office To Nicki Minaj's cousin's balls From the moment you were churned You've been there through it all. American dream, you were always there. From the early days when Bezos still had hair. First black president to his best friend Joe. From Brett Favre's penis to Aaron Rodgers' COVID toe. You were there for fidget spinners and for selfie sticks as well. Science gave us meatless burgers, but you've still got pure caramel. You invented 3D printing and you invented drones. The I and iPhone is short for ice cream cones. American dream, your frosty perfection. From Nancy's first joint session to her first insurrection. Kanye interrupted Taylor with a frozen cup of goo. Lady Gaga has a second dress that's made out of you. Decision found Eastwood a chair to taunt. Obama proved that you were born in a dairy in Vermont. You were an Ellen Selfie and went Travolta said Adele to seem. It was just because he couldn't pronounce American Dream. American Dream, you've seen us through it all. Left 
Bioshock, Pokemon Go, and the Fire Festival. One royal wedding to another royal wedding, and a whole bunch of other things we're probably forgetting. In the hunt for Osama through the desert, you did try. You shot and killed Bin Laden with a bullet made of fudge. We used to print out map quests, now we have self driving cars. You used to only come in pints, but now you come in. Dress was such a thriller. It's not blue and black and white and gold. I only see vanilla. When we tried injecting sunlight or Obama's super stand, when the Oscar went to moonlight after it went to La La Land. American dream, you're so strong and tough. You got us through COVID, Ebola, and some other stuff. Then there's all those other secret things which I cannot say, like how you chased away the aliens and saved the USA. guest tonight is an actor and director you know from the Planet of the Apes films, Black Panther, and my personal favorite as Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. He now stars in The Batman. Our accounting friends at Wayne Enterprises are coming for breakfast. Here? Why? Because I couldn't get you to go there. I haven't got time for this. It's getting serious, Bruce. If this continues, it won't be long before you've nothing left. I don't care about that. Any of that. You don't care about your family's legacy? What I'm doing is my family's legacy. If I can't change things here, if I can't have an effect, I don't care what happens to me. That's all I'm afraid of. Alfred, stop. You're not my father. I'm well aware. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Andy Serkis. saw that clip. I just saw the new Batman. Uh-huh. I love your Alfred Pennyworth, as, as I said just then. How is, your, how is your Alfred a little different than previous Alfred-Batman uh, relationships we've seen before? Well, Matt Reeves, who, who, who wrote and directed it, um, you know, wanted to create a sort of an emotional uh, relationship, but to a very deeply emotional one, which is sort of... They're, they're not 
kind of on song as, as they normally are, Alfred and Batman going out and, and facing the foe together, they, he wanted to create tension in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, we meet, it's, it's basically all around how we meet Batman, which is, which is Rob Pattinson's Bruce Wayne is very vulnerable and he's on a bit of a self-destructive mission and he's pushing at Alfred, as, as you saw from the clip. He's, he's sort of pushing him away and Alfred just feels like he's, he, can't, he can't connect with him. He'll never fill the void of being a father figure for him. So, so it's, it's, it's kind of really, it's shifting sands, their relationship. And, and without and, giving anything away, and I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying this, is that this isn't really an origin story. This is, it's in media rays. You're into them. He's already correct, Batman, and correct. you're already worried that he's out there being Batman. Absolutely. I mean, he's causing himself kind of, he's going out every night trying to be a vigilante, but he's, you know, he, he can see the self-destruct button going, and, 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 it's, and he sees the pain that he's in. There's so much anticipation for this movie right now that it's actually being used as a cudgel against the Russians by not playing it there. That's it's, right. it's one of the sanctions being That's leveled right. against Russia is they don't get this movie. That's right. Very powerful. You're very powerful position right well, now. Well, the movie's a powerful thing. It right? is a very powerful thing. You, you were in Black Panther, uh, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, you, you directed. Um, uh, but now you're in the Batman. Okay, so legally I have to ask you, <laughs> are you a Marvel guy or are you a oh, DC my. guy? And be very careful how you answer this I'm question. I'm just thinking who's going to employ me the most after this moment. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, I, I know, look, I love both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Real courage. Because, <laughs> yeah, because, because, look, I, I mean, I, I love the brightness and the boldness of Marvel stories. Look, they're yes. all mythologies, and I like the, and I do like the darkness of DC. Well, they're kind they're of fairy stories modern... themselves, like Tolkien is. It, it's a correct. type of modern fairy story. It, it, they are, look, for our generation, or for the, you know, which is why they are so important as, you know, they, they, ta they touch on real human emotions, on, on world, you know, events, on, on what's going on around us. They are, they are great allegories for, for, for our times. You know, well, we, we human beings learn through storytelling. Correct. And, and this is a common story for all of us to share, and it builds a sense of community. Yeah. And one of the greatest uh, communities that you've been part of is, of course, The Lord of the Rings, which just celebrated 20 years since it was first released. And I can't, and I can't believe... We did... We wanted to market. We wanted to market here uh, some way, and uh, Billy Boyd and Don Monahan called and said, "Hey, we want to do something with you." And we, so we came up with this rap song to it celebrate was... it, which you were part of. We have we have a little clip right here. It was right incredible. Here. You did such Jim? a great job. Lord of the Rings is the number one trilly. Ask anybody and they know the dilly. From Jackson Billy to Manila Philly, ask all the fishes, the seaweed, the krilly. So there you are, <laughs> the fishes, the seaweed, the krilly. The official celebration right there. I said, when you shot, when you sent that shot in, of you looking through that watery surface, oh, that's great. What, what effect did we put on that? And we said, they said, nothing. <laughs> that's what he sent. <laughs> so, uh, a director to the end, what were you shooting this through, a fish tank? Yeah, no, I just found a nice big bowl at home, filled it up with water, and I thought, this has got to, we've got to make something out of this. You know, it's a little snatch. So, uh, so I just got my iPhone, stuck it underneath a bowl full of water and jiggled it about a bit. You know, that's it. That was about the, wow. that was about the size of it. Art on a dime with Andy Serkis. <laughs> We have to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, Andy will show us how he did all the characters in his audiobook of The Lord of the Rings. Now, in May of 2020, like, like many people at the beginning of the uh, COVID pandemic, 
people didn't know what to do. They wanted to create art. They wanted to do things to help uh, uh, fundraise for charities. You did this extraordinary thing, which in, in May 2020, you read The Hobbit in one sitting on a live stream for charity. How, I, I heard clips of it. How long did that take you to do? It was, altogether, it was about 11 hours and four, four, four five, five minutes. And how, how often would you start? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I literally, I literally had four two-minute breaks. Um, throughout, throughout Over the whole, hours. yeah, 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 yeah. Because wow. I, I wanted to, I wanted to, to feel like I was. You know, the whole idea behind it was to take everybody, like you say, everyone's trapped indoors, nobody could go anywhere, and what, what, what better than to go on a, on a, on a, a quest, on a journey, um, in, the, of, in, inside your mind. And I thought if I could at least take kids off, p parents, you know, who must have been going crazy at this point, you know, <laughs> you know, sit them down. My whole thinking was if they could sit their kids down and listen for, 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 for eleven hours, it would let them get off and do something else. Yeah. Sure. So, so, since then, people love this so much that, and I think this is a great idea, you have now done the recorded, the full audiobooks of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy for Audible. What, what was it like for you to return to Middle-earth for that entire thing? I, I have to say, I, you know, I've played some pretty physical parts in my time, but do, sitting in front of a microphone for six weeks to record The Lord of the Rings in entirety was, I think, one of the most draining and mentally exhausting. And, I, I mean, audiobooks are not... They're not easy things. I mean, I'm a physical... You know, as I say, a physical actor, but, but actually it's, it's a kind of... It, it's, a, it's a test all on its own. And, and, and the levels that you... you kind of the emotional journey. And, and, and also, I was sort of channelling my friends who I'd acted with, you know, sure, for, sure. For, for some of it, and I'm making sure. up new voices as well. Um, How did you was... differentiate the voices? I understand. I have a prop back here oh. that I was told to give you, <laughs> but I don't know what you're going to do with this. Well, how, did, how would okay. you differentiate between the well, voices, okay. keeping them clear? Because there are how many characters well, there's are there? About, I think all in all, there's 132 characters, right? So, so it, of course, some of them, some of them only appear once, and, and, yes. and they're sort of, you know, you're sort of winging it in a way and kind of improvising mm -hmm. stuff and bringing. But then other other, char other characters obviously return, and the only way that I could really, really remember everybody. Was by a physical kind of uh, appro um, approximation to where to where the microphone was. So, for instance, um, Gandalf would always be up here, and he would be talking like that. And there's a little bit in McKellen, but not quite, because I was trying to make it a bit more original. You shall not pass. You know, it wasn't full on, full on. You shall not pass. I wasn't. I wasn't doing. That. And then, and then Elrond, who was more kind of, you know, he was more here, and I, I, I always did this with my right hand and gave him a little bit of the, and that or every time I moved my hand like that, it would get me back into character. And then, you know, of course, you know, Gimli was down here, so he's down here, and he was like this because he was really pissed off that he couldn't quite reach the microphone, you know, and and and, uh, and um, of course. Um, <laughs> and then, and then Gollum. Gollum. Gollum was was sort of a kind of really well. Gollum was on this side, and Smeagol was on this side, and he would say things like, you know, "We want it. We need it. We must have tears." <sighs> No, process. They don't even pose sanctions. Sanctions? Sanctions, my process. If they do anything, we're gonna give them back. Up next, Fiona Hill. Tonight 
is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution who has advised three presidents on Russian and European policy. Her new book is There Is Nothing For You Here. Please welcome Fiona Hill. Thanks for being here. As I said, uh, the book is There Is Nothing For You Here. Um, U U.S. intelligence officer in the Bush and Obama administrations, National Security Council senior director for European and Russian affairs, 2017 to 2019. Though most people here might recognize you first from your testimony in the <laughs> 2019 impeachment hearing, the first one, the OG impeachment classic. You're a former intelligence officer. Um, it's been six days since Russia invaded Ukraine. And the EU has showed unprecedented unity in response to this. Um, what is most surprising to you about both the invasion and the response? Well, first of all, on the invasion, you know, sadly, what's been most surprising is that it's gone on for so long. Because we were told that it would be a very, very quick absolutely. lightning strike, take over the cities, and you, you thought that would be the same thing. Yeah, I think everybody did, thinking about the preponderance of power that the Russians have vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Ukrainians, mm -hmm. um, notwithstanding the fact that the Ukrainian military is actually fairly capable. But, you know, when they're facing an invasion force of uh, almost 190,000 men with all of the state-of-the-art equipment that the Russians have got, we thought that they would have moved a lot faster. So we think, in part, that the Russians might have initially been trying to minimise casualties. And then in terms of what you said about the European response was, yes, we were pretty surprised by all of this as well. And I'm sure that Putin and the Russians have been quite surprised too because there was an assumption that, for example, that a lot of businesses in Europe would have been very reluctant to pull back from all their investments in Russia, given oil and gas and the dominance of the Russian energy sector in Europe, that people would have thought, well, I don't want to freeze to death. You know, so um, it was very surprising to see major oil and gas companies, for example, pulling out of Russia along with all kinds of other um, businesses. So it's not just the government response. It's what everybody else has done on a, a level of business, commerce, and ordinary people. Well, so far, uh, there, uh, the government sanctions, uh, restricted airspace, banned Russia from SWIFT. They don't get yeah. to see the new Batman movie, as I was That's saying right. and, yeah. Andy earlier. What short of direct military uh, intervention can or should be done, in your opinion? Well, there's all kinds of things that we could be doing now, and I'm sure that a lot of these are under discussion. It's very difficult for us to do something about the airspace over Ukraine, because that would be seen as direct interference. But, look, we've closed airspace to uh, Russian commercial aircraft and also military aircraft. But there are humanitarian corridors that we might need to be establishing there because we've got hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians who are, are basically fleeing into all of the neighbouring countries. Mm. We're going to need to have a lot of medical assistance on the, on the borders, you know, for example, because I can quite well imagine that we would start to be helping wounded Ukrainian uh, servicemen as well as civilians. And look, there's going to be an awful lot of assistance that's going to come in, not just to, for the refugees in places like Poland or Slovakia or the Baltic states or further afield in, um, in Europe. But you're starting to see people go in there to fight. And it's not just Ukrainians. I mean, Ukrainian ha Ukraine has an enormous number of heavyweight boxing champions of the world, including the mayor of Kiev. We've got two guys who Vitaly are... Vitaly Klitschko, yeah. Exactly. And his brother, who were there. And they've made this amazing, you know, set of um, videos for social media. You've got the, uh, one of the current uh, reigning heavyweight boxing champions who's given up his prize fight to go back. But you've got all kinds of people from around Europe now saying, I want to go in there and do something to help the Ukrainians. 
which is not something that I don't think that Russians would have anticipated. Well, you, you've studied Putin for decades, and you've, you've met him many times. Yep. You, you say in the book, again, there is nothing for you here, that you, you write about sitting next to him at a dinner. How, A, why would Putin let someone who studies Putin sit next to him <laughs> at a dinner, and what's his dinner conversation like? Is it light and sparkly? Is he flirty? Yeah. What's he like? Well... <laughs> As you can imagine, it's pretty sparse. And the most disturbing thing of sitting next to him at dinner, and he actually was at this side right here, was that he didn't eat or drink anything. So that's why I'm not touching that cup of water, because, you know, <laughs> you guy, I don't know what you've put in it. So he clearly doesn't even trust... Not even water? Yeah, he doesn't even trust his own, you know, water and, and, and tea that's there. Tea, probably, you know, we can think about putting the polonium in the tea for the former spy in London. Good mm -hmm. reason for that. Was but, that the polonium in the sushi? Well, it could have been. It was in the tea in okay. London. But it, he could think it's in everything. I mean, given, you know, the, the risks uh, did you, inherent... Did you talk to him? Sort of. Uh, the, the thing that I could see is, like, you have on your desk here your notes. Now, yours are in very small font. His are in enormous font, so I could see them. And he wasn't wearing glasses, and I was close enough to see that he wasn't wearing contact lenses. Mm. So, basically, like most of us, certainly me, I mean, I can't read what you've got on there, but I could read his notes, because they were about that big in terms of the font. Mm -hmm. So, the one thing I noticed was he's short-sighted. Hey, wow. you know, he's not the Superman that we think of. So, you, you can't read my card? I can't read your card, so You can't no. see this. says, I can't, get I can't her to see. drink the tea. Yeah, get her to drink the tea. <laughs> <laughs> Now, do you think that there's any fear of his own oligarchs? You know, like, because there's no honor among thieves, and if he shows weakness, they could turn on him. I don't think it's really the oligarchs so much as the people in his inner circle. Mm. So the people who have come up with this plan of invading Ukraine with him, let's just say, first of all, it's not the Russian people, mm -hmm. and it's not all the people in Russian business, but it's a very small circle of people that include the head of intelligence, for example, the head of the military, all of these security services. And these are not the kind of guys who have yachts off Monaco, uh, basically palaces in Paris or anything like this. These are people who are very much rooted in Russia itself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're too worried about all of these sanctions and everything that's cut off because they're not invested in the West. They've got, really got that bunker siege mentality of fortress Russia. And they're the people he probably does have to worry about, because if this war doesn't go well, if it looks like Russia is losing, I don't think they care about the, the world of public opinion. But if there's not uh, any movement on the ground, if that great convoy of uh, tanks just basically runs out of gas and is just left there and, you know, they have to move further... I mean, if they have to kind of lay waste to Ukraine to basically get a success, that's already going to be the kind of problem. So you might then start to get a backlash from those people who are thinking this has not gone as they intended. Now, you've said in, in another interview that, you know, he doesn't build weapons not to use them, so it is, it is, it is conceivable that he would use a tactical nuclear weapon. Um, putting that aside, that is the impetus for this question, is what off-ramp is there for Putin shy of actually taking and holding Ukraine? Because that seems unlikely, given the success of his army so far and the size of his military, that they can hold that space. What can he get shy of Ukraine and the West saying, OK, take Ukraine, that will allow him to leave and save face? Yeah, that's the real problem that we have right now. We're going to have to think long and hard about how we structure, first of all, discussions and negotiations, which we can't in the middle of a massive invasion, because we want to see the pullback from Ukraine and the withdrawal of all of the forces, not just the pullback from hostilities. The problem is, just as you've laid it out, that Putin wants us to take an off-ramp. He wants 
full capitulation surrender. He's already said that. He told the Ukrainian military to lay down their arms and even overthrow President Zelensky and their government. Clearly, that's not happening. So he's going to want to take as much territory as he possibly can and then try to basically have a negotiation that leaves him in charge of as much of Ukraine as he can possibly have. And that is unacceptable. So we are going to have to be thinking about how we try to get some pressure on him to find a way out of this that we're all going to have to figure out. And I think, honestly, one of the few ways that we might be able to get to him is if, for example, President Xi and the Chinese actually expressed some kind of displeasure. But that seems a pretty long shot as well. Well, um, Fiona, thank you so much for being here. The book is There Is Nothing For You Here. It's available now. Fiona Hill, everybody. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.